this Independence Day. We pray for our nation, for wisdom and direction, for peace and protection, for liberty and justice, for strength and fortitude, for faith, hope, and love. We thank you for the freedoms given to us and for the beauty all around us. We believe you can unite what is divided among us and restore what is broken inside us because you are the God who sees, the God who loves, and the God who listens. And so on this Independence Day, we humble ourselves and we pray, God bless America. Good stuff, good stuff. Good morning, friends. Uh, would you just stand with me briefly? Weston shared uh, from First Timothy. Elsewhere in First Timothy, in chapter 2, it says that it, it pleases God when we pray for our rulers and those in authority. So we're just going to lift up our nation and lift up our rulers this morning in prayer. Would you join me? God, this morning, we lift up our nation to you. Lord, we, we raise her to you. We know, God, that there are no better hands for our nation to be in than yours. We pray for our leaders, for those in authority over us, God. We know that you have ultimately placed them there, Lord. And, and we pray that you would speak into their hearts, that you would place yourself, your spirit, in the midst of what they're doing, Lord. We lift them up to you, God. And we know that above all else, this nation, uh, we, we love it, Lord, but we know that we are called to a, a kingdom, a different kingdom, God, uh, the ultimate kingdom. And so we want to set our sights there, ultimately, Lord. But in the meantime, we lift up our, our rulers to you. We ask that you would bring healing to what is broken in our nation, God. You would bring unity to what is divided with us, Lord, and that you would bring guidance and peace to those in our nation who need it, Lord. We, we entrust it to you, God. Your hands are the best hands for it to be in. So we lift it up to you in your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. I have uh, just a couple announcements. Got to give a shout out to my people online. How's it going online, folks? Thank you for joining us. Um, a few announcements for your consideration this morning. The first one, uh, in observance of the uh, Independence Day, the 4th of July, we will be closing the office uh, tomorrow and Tuesday. So Monday and Tuesday this week, the office will be closed, something to keep in mind. And then uh, Sundays, I just feel like get so 
crazy busy, especially all of us on staff here are just running around back and forth, uh, bebopping between all the different things that we have to do. Uh, just this morning during first service, I had uh, a lovely lady approach me who I, I know quite well, and she said, Brent, you haven't given me a hug in like weeks. I've just been so busy. And that just struck my soul. I was like, oh my gosh. So it just feels like there's never quite enough time to really connect with the hustle and bustle of the services on a Sunday morning. And I wanted to do a little something to try to try and remedy that. So to that end, this summer, every Sunday after third service, uh, myself and whatever other of our pastors on staff are available to join, we'll be hanging out down on Cole Street. They have the Sundays on Cole thing happening down there. Uh, I just really think we wanted to create a different space where more people can, can hang out and connect, where we can get to know all of you guys better. I just feel like there's so many people that I just don't know. It's like, I know your face, but I don't know you. So we want to create a space that'll be happening every Sunday this summer. Uh, certain Sundays when we have like picnics and our, our connection lunches, we'll, we'll pause and put it on hold. But most every Sunday this summer, we'll be meeting right after third service, uh, starting today. So after third service today, head on downtown if you're so inclined. Uh, come find me. I'll be kind of out in front of the local Rainier area. Uh, I'm not that hard to find. I'm large and I got the, the hair now so just look for my hair blowing in the breeze um and i'd love to just hang out i don't know we'll go like go look at antiques um i don't know <laughs> i was trying to think i'm like what are we gonna do i'm like we'll just walk around we'll go look at antiques we'll go to sweet necessities just walk around hang out sit talk enjoy each other's company all the things that we don't get to do uh in the midst of all the services on a sunday morning so that is happening today right after third service at 12 30 and then last but not least uh, summer camp is happening soon. The youth summer camp is going to be amazing. I am excited. Pastor Tyler's excited. Um, I am actually going this year for the first time in a little bit. Uh, it's going to be a blast. I am both uh, a little nervous, but also super excited. Some of my favorite memories of youth ministry happened at summer camp. It's a place that changes lives, that changes hearts. Uh, that being said, this year we do actually need some more leaders. Maybe you've felt uh, God kind of tugging at your heart. Maybe you've felt that nudge to be involved in youth ministry. Maybe you felt God calling you to lead in some way. Uh, maybe you have a passion to, to help students grow closer to Jesus. If that's the case, man, we would love to hear from you. Summer camp would be a fantastic place to do that. Uh, if, if you feel that calling, if you feel like God's nudging you in that direction, uh, if you just want to give the office a call this week, if you want to send an email to Pastor Tyler, uh, tyler at mrccnow.org, we would love to hear from you. And uh, with that being said, we have a, a very special treat this morning. Pastor Weston is bringing the hey, word. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, what's up, everybody? How are we, how are we feeling today? Who's, who's excited for Tuesday, 4th of July? Man, it's a, it's a good week. This is a good day to be in God's house, let me tell you. Hey, man, it's just an honor to be here with you today and to share a message that's been on my heart. And then, man, I've had the privilege of being your worship pastor for the last five and a half years, if you can believe it. It's crazy. I mean, it's just a true joy to be able to worship our amazing God together with this incredible church family. You truly are family and and we bucks, my, my wife Stacy and our daughter Brielle, we just love and appreciate you. And it's just a big privilege to dig into God's living word together. So if you brought your Bible, would you open it to the book of Acts today? We're going to be in chapter 16, chapter 16 of Acts. And then as we're turning, I just have a quick question for us. 
what are some great stories of freedom that have impacted your life? You know, stories that when told, it would bring a tear to your eye or move your spirit. You know, if you follow me on social media, which you should, but if you do, then you know that I'm a big movie nerd, and so I just can't help but list some of these moments of freedom found in these famous films, like this moment from what I think is one of the best movies ever made, Shawshank Redemption, when Andy Dufresne escapes from the corrupt Shawshank prison and is reunited with Red on the Mexican coast. Get busy living, get busy dying. It's a powerful story of hope, of friendship, of redemption, and of freedom. Or how about this moment from an incredible and historical film, Braveheart, where the Scottish warrior William Wallace led a rebellion against the English in the first war of Scottish independence. I mean, man, this story of love and sacrifice and one man's fight for freedom will stay with you long after you've seen it. In fact, there was a a movie released a few years ago called Harriet, which tells the powerful and important story of Harriet Tubman, a slave in Maryland in the 1800s. She is stated as saying that God gave her dreams of freedom and she took those dreams to action and she was fueled by motivation and obedience to God and she faced incredible resilience in the face of adversity. And through the Underground Railroad system, she eventually made her way to Philadelphia and to freedom. But her story didn't end there. In fact, she became the most famous conductor on the Underground Railroad, uh, meaning that she personally helped lead over 70 slaves to freedom. And during the Civil War, Harriet became a spy for the Union Army, and she led 150 black soldiers in the Columbia River Raid, which resulted in 750 slaves freed. She's one of the few women in U.S. history to lead an armed expedition. And it's just a beautiful story of freedom from one of America's greatest heroes. And in two days, we're going to be celebrating the birth of our country, which was founded on freedom, 247 years old. And on July 4th, 1776, the Second Continental Congress adopted the Declaration of Independence that proclaimed the 13 American colonies, which were at war with Great Britain, as independent states and no longer a part of the British Empire. And did you know that it was the first successful war of independence against a European colonial power? And it inspired other people around the world to fight for their own freedom. And we are blessed privileged to live in a nation that values democracy and equality and that's been a beacon of hope for people everywhere. And these stories of freedom, they're moving and they're inspiring. They're stories of breakthrough and deliverance and redemption. And it's easy to look to movies or to books or even history to get a taste of what freedom brings. But honestly, church, sometimes we find ourselves neglecting the freedom that's available to us right now. The freedom won by Christ for us. 
the freedom encountered and experienced in his presence, which as a result of his victory, we now have access to, and the freedom found in the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this popular scripture, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Paul's reminding the Corinthian church, and he's reminding us, that the Holy Spirit is God, just as Jesus and the Father are God. And it's a wonderful word of truth and of freedom. And a few verses earlier, we hear Paul reference Moses and the Israelites, and he uses a word that you hear a lot in Scripture, and this word is veil. And pay attention to this word, and let's reread this section in its context, starting from a few verses earlier. This is 2 Corinthians 3, verse 15 through 18. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And in this instant, that word, veil, it's used physically and metaphorically, because Paul, he describes it as a barrier that the Israelites carried in their hearts that prevented them from seeing the true glory of God. And because of this, Moses, who after being in God's presence on Mount Sinai, he would wear a physical veil to shield God's glory from them. But when Moses went into God's presence, he had the freedom to remove the veil. God allowed Moses to behold him in all his glory. The presence of the Lord gave him this freedom. And now, church, we have the Holy Spirit, who is the Lord, who is God, and we live in the Spirit's presence because he is given to us under the new covenant. Amen? And so just as Moses had the freedom to relate to God without the veil in the presence of the Lord, so now do we have freedom because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, speaking to the Samaritan woman in the book of John, says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Jesus reminds us again that God himself is spirit. He's not just some complex being. He's not restricted to seeing, hearing, or being in a single location like the false gods of most religions. And then Jesus teaches about worship. True worship. And as a worship pastor, I love this. He says that true worship, well, true worship is not about following a set of rules or regulations, but it's about a heartfelt relationship with God. This is the kind of worship that he seeks. So when we worship in the Spirit, we are allowing the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, to lead us in our worship, not led by man, but by God himself. 
and not with a display of spirituality, but with an authentic expression of our love and our gratitude for God. And when we worship in the truth, we are worshiping in the whole revelation of God's word. We worship God according to who he is, not according to our own preconceived notions. When we worship in truth, we are acknowledging God's greatness, his holiness, his sovereignty, and his love for us. And we also acknowledge our own need for him and our dependence on him. And so on Tuesday, we're going to be celebrating the freedom of our country's independence. But today, I feel like God is calling us to celebrate the freedom found in dependence, dependence on him, the freedom found in his presence and the freedom found in worship. And so in Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. And so let's do that now together, church. And it's in this expression of submission, trust and surrender that brings us to the setting of today's scripture in Acts chapter 16. In this chapter, we follow Paul and Silas during their second missionary journey, which brings us to the Macedonian city of Philippi. And it's here where Paul and Silas, through submission and worship, will experience freedom in an unexpected way in one of the most unexpected of places. So as we dive into God's word, would you pray with me? Lord, we just come into your presence right now, recognizing that you are here. And we just ask that you would prepare the way, that you would open our eyes to see our ears to hear, our hearts to receive your living word together, your sons and daughters, your church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we'll start in verse 19 today in Acts chapter 16. And prior to that, we read that Paul and his missionary team, which was composed of Silas, Timothy, and Luke, that they sailed from Troas in the continent of Asia to Macedonia in the continent of Europe. And in the city of Philippi, after leading a woman named Lydia to the Lord, Paul and his team were on their way to pray when they were met by a female slave who was demon-possessed. And the slave would earn money for her owners by fortune-telling and telling fortunes. And weirdly enough, she would follow Paul and his team around for days, and she would proclaim these words to all that they came across. She would say, Hey, these guys here, they're they're servants of the Most High God. They're telling you all the ways to be saved. Weirdly, this is the demon talking right here. And many days of of, of this, Scripture says that Paul became annoyed, which I'd imagine I'd be annoyed too if I was having a demon advertising my work. But fed up, Paul, who was with Silas at the time, He just turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And the scriptures say that it left her instantly. And now, spoiler alert, Paul and Silas are about to be treated quite badly as a result of this. You see, the masters of the demon-possessed girl, they cared nothing for the girl herself but only for their ability to exploit her demonic possession for money. And so this is where we pick up in verse 19. 
it reads, when her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. So right there, Paul and Silas were singled out and obviously the masters held a grudge. But at that time, the Roman Empire, had, they had a tight reign on its inhabitants. And the owners of the slave girl, they used the Roman law to get revenge by accusing Paul and Silas of teaching that Jesus is God and not one of Rome's approved lowercase g gods, right? They were guilty by spreading Christianity. And after being brought before the magistrates, who were one of the highest ranking government officials, it says in verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. I mean, just imagine the irony that Paul must see in this, that if you know Paul, then you know that before he followed Christ, he himself abused and imprisoned Jesus followers. And now Paul is in a Roman city, imprisoned for preaching about Jesus. So there they were severely beaten, imprisoned in maximum security conditions, guarded by a jailer, and fastened to stocks. And yet, even in their pain, God was not far from Paul and Silas. As Tertullian, an early Christian author, wrote, the legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. I'll say that again. The legs feel nothing in the stocks when the heart is in heaven. Paul and Silas didn't know what would happen, but they knew who God was. They knew who was in control. In fact, Paul would later reference this moment in the book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, where he writes, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Christ Jesus. And I mean, just imagine the freedom we can experience in our own moments of bondage when we remember where our help comes from. That no matter the physical or emotional prison that we find ourselves in, that we remember that there is a just God who walks with us, who won us a victory in blood that gives us redemption, that gives us freedom from death. And that this is a freedom that no jail cell can hold. In light of all this, if we were thrown in that prison alongside Paul and Silas, what would our response be? So just watch how Paul and Silas responded to their circumstances that night. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Wow. I mean, every time I hear this, 
I'm always blown away that even though they were arrested, beaten, and imprisoned for doing good, Paul and Silas were filled with enough trust in who God is and with enough joy that they sang praises to God from right there in the prison. And it seemed as if nothing would make them stop worshiping. And if I can be honest, church, it's easy. It's easy for me to worship when I'm feeling happy. In pleasant circumstances, especially when things are going my way, right? But real joy is found within us when we remember who God is despite our circumstances. Because our circumstances may change, but he never changes. And when we remember that, we can experience freedom even in the lowest of places. And when we remember all that God has done for us, how could we not rejoice and praise him for who he is? I mean, just imagine what a strange sound that must have been to the other prisoners. Prayers and worship to God at midnight in a rough prison, they probably had never heard such a sound. You know, shortly after Stacy and I were married, uh, we felt called to a mission trip with some of our young adults at a church uh, to a mission trip to Thailand. And we were in southern Thailand in a city called Hat Yai, about a million people there. And it was during a time where there was a lot of tension in the city between zealous Buddhists and Muslims. And there was actually some acts of violence throughout churches in the city. And But despite the apparent danger, we had a very impactful time pouring out God's love and grace with the community. And one day we went up to a Buddhist temple and it was up on a mountain and it overlooked the city. I mean, it was beautiful. But when we arrived, uh, we noticed and felt a strong spiritual presence that was not of God. And I'll never forget it. I've never experienced it since. But it seemed very evident. The temple was filled with a lot of distressed people and different statues of different gods. And people would react in unique and intense ways. And also at this temple, there was a place where people would light off big and loud firecrackers. And there would be piles and piles of the firecracker residue, like you can see from this picture. And when they lit off the firecrackers, they would scream, they would chant, they would convulse, and they would wail. And it was all very intense and kind of frightening, honestly. And I just felt so uncomfortable. I just wanted to get out of there. But our leader, who was leading our mission trip, made the suggestion that we should set up right outside of the temple and start worshiping God. And guess what I happened to have on me at the time? A guitar. And he said, Weston, you got the guitar you should lead us in worship right here. And I thought, there is no way that I'm going to be able, willing and able to do this. This is the absolute last place that I feel comfortable singing and worshiping. I mean, man. But with the encouragement of the team and with the peace of God, we prayed, we gave thanks to the Lord, and we proceeded to worship right there. It's hard, you know, it's hard to stay scared when we choose to worship. Anxiety, 
and worry and doubt, it falls away when we worship the one who can provide what we need. And in that moment, we experience clarity and freedom in the presence of God. He was there. And the people from inside the temple felt it too. And they started to come out and to crowd around us. And these people who were distressed at the temple, who didn't know a single word we were saying, all of a sudden were sitting on the ground, smiling, and some were even singing, and some were in peace. And with these songs of worship, the peace and the freedom of God came. And as a result of this time of worship, relationships were formed with a few of the people from the temple and our missionary team. And I can't imagine the extent God used this moment. And I can just remember, if I could just say, there was a man in this moment that we met, and then two or three days later on a random beach in a city of a million people, We're at the beach, and guess who walks by randomly? Nowhere near the temple. The same guy. And so anyway, I just always think about that. just thought about how God used that moment. But church, let me just tell you, this is just one personal example where worship brought freedom and breakthrough. But continuing in Acts 16, we see Paul and Silas experience their own moment of breakthrough. In the midst of praising God, verse 27, it says, suddenly... Uh, Verse 26, I apologize. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Right there in prison, submitting to God in trust, praising him for his faithfulness, Paul and Silas experienced physical freedom from their chains. And notice that the supernatural earthquake, it didn't cause the building to collapse. It didn't harm the prisoners, but it loosened the chains and it opened the doors. And that is all pretty incredible. But I think what happens next is even more incredible. Verse 27, the jailer or the guard, he woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, He drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. You see, under Roman law, if a guard allowed their prisoner to escape, then they, the guard, would receive the punishment originally owed to the prisoner. And sometimes these punishments were cruel, and painful, such as crucifixion. And overwhelmed by what might happen, the guard is tempted to take his own life, but that's when Paul shouts, don't harm yourself, we are all still here. And it would have been easy for Paul and Silas to escape, thinking that God provided some miraculous jailbreak. But to them, the lives of others were more important than their own physical freedom and comfort. In fact, Paul would write in Galatians, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. 
You see, the circumstances say escape, but love says stay for the sake of this one person. And so often we equate freedom with escaping oppression for a better well-being. But here, God flips the concept on its head and shows that freedom results when our wants align with God's will. And I'll say that again. Freedom results when our wants align with God's will. And Paul would write in 1 Timothy that it's God's will for all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And in this complex moment of freedom, Paul and Silas were not guided only by circumstances, but by the love and the will of God. And although freed from their chains, they stayed with the guard. And as a result, it says next in verse 29, that the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. And he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's just as dramatic as it sounds, like one of those inspirational movies we just talked about. This man was more affected by the love and grace demonstrated by Paul and Silas than by the earthquake. And this is made all the more amazing when we recognize that he may have been the same guard who was beating them earlier, just a few hours. You know, Stacy and I, we had the privilege of uh, going to the Fifth Avenue Theater for the first time, and we saw the show Les Mis, Les Miserables. And let me tell you, oh man, it was awesome. And we're very glad we didn't watch the movie beforehand because it was lame in comparison. But man, let me tell you, in the show, the lead character, and his name is Jean Valjean. It's the most fun name to say in the world. Jean Valjean. Prisoner 24601. He's released from prison after serving 19 years for stealing a loaf of bread. And he's determined to start a new life, but he's constantly haunted by his past. And he struggles to find work and a place to live because he's an ex-convict. And one day, Valjean's walking through town and he comes across a bishop who takes him in and he offers him food and shelter and Valjean is grateful and yet he succumbs to temptation and steals some of the expensive valuables and then leaves off into the night. It's then that Valjean is intercepted by some patrol guards and taken back to the bishop to confirm the crime and although it would make the most sense for the bishop to confirm that he's been robbed by Valjean, what he does next is unexpected. The bishop walks over to the dining table. He grabs some fine candlesticks that are made of silver. And he says, Valjean, you forgot to take these along with you too. He tells the guard, there's been no wrongdoing here that he gave him those things as a gift. And the guards then release him and then they head on their way. And it's in this moment, Valjean is deeply moved by this bishop's act of mercy and he realizes that he's been given a second chance and he vows to live a life of grace similar to this bishop. 
one act of grace completely changed this man's life forever. And in the show, many more lives would be blessed by Valjean extending this grace. In the same way, the prison guard in Acts was deeply moved by the love and grace of Jesus that was shown by Paul and Silas. He was blown away by their ability to experience joy even in misery. And in that moment, he instantly wanted the kind of life that they had. And church, this is how God wants our lives to be, to be natural magnets drawing people to him. You see, when we live in the freedom of Christ, it should make others want what we have with God. And so he asked them, what must I do to be saved? And Paul's answer to him is found in verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. They were all saved because they trusted the word of God and Jesus revealed to us through the word. It's a beautiful moment. And another beautiful moment follows, verse 33. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. The same jailer who had punished them now cared for their wounds, the same ones that he probably inflicted. And then he served them a meal. And this shows just how repentant he was and how he followed in the example of love shown by Paul and Silas. And that very night, he and his family were baptized. So just think about it. This man was carried from suicidal fear to abundant joy all in one night. And the story ends with Paul and Silas willfully returning to prison to spare the jailer's life. And the next morning, they were allowed to leave and they were told to go in peace. In fact, they finally revealed that they themselves were Roman citizens and the punishments they received were not intended to be inflicted upon Romans. It was a big offense to treat Roman citizens the way that Paul and Silas had been treated. And the magistrates, they escorted them from the prison. Paul and Silas went to Lydia's house, encouraged the brothers and sisters, and then they left Philippi, and that's how the chapter ends. So we can hear this entire story. And it's easy to ask, well, why did God send the earthquake to free Paul and Silas if they were just going to stay in the prison anyway? Well, church, we can see that by our earthly context of freedom, it doesn't make sense. But by the context of God's will, the earthquake had absolutely nothing to do with freeing Paul and Silas from prison, but it had everything to do with bringing the freedom of salvation to the prison guard and his household. You see, the Holy Spirit used the courageous praise Paul and Silas, to completely change this jailer's life. And it's a story of the freedom and power of praise, of worshiping in spirit and in truth, aligning ourselves with his will and his purposes and following him wherever he leads. 
And only when we live in the freedom that comes with true submission unto God can we find ourselves lifting up praise from a jail cell or proclaiming God's faithfulness with a beaten body, never forgetting who sits on the throne. And so in a moment, we're actually going to have an opportunity to respond to God in worship together and thank him for what he's revealed to us through his living word today. But before we do, and in the spirit of freedom that we are walking through together today, I wanted to share one of my favorite biblically-based exercises that's found throughout Scripture. And we've actually walked through this together as a worship team. So everyone here, consider yourselves a part of the worship team today. You did it. This is awesome. Yeah. So what this, uh, what this exercise is, it's an examination of Scripture that encourages us to experience more freedom in our worship of God. And I pray that it will be a blessing in yours as well. You know, the Bible, it presents beautiful pictures of how we can praise and worship our God. And when we look in the Old Testament, some of the Hebrew words for praise that we see translated just as praise in our English Bible, well, they actually have meanings that are very deep and provide practical examples of how we can and should worship God in spirit and in truth. And so there are seven Hebrew words of praise that we'll discuss this morning. So feel free to write them down. And the first word, and you know what? Would you, maybe we could try having you say these words along with me. The first word is yada. Would you say yada? Yada. Yada means to extend an open hand to God. And how do we express yada? Well, we can raise our hands in celebration like at a Seahawks or a Golden Knights game. We can lift our hands in need like a child does to their parent. Or we can lift our hands in surrender like we would towards authority. Or we can raise our hands in thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. In First Chronicles 16, it says, Give thanks, yada, to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. The second word is toda. Toda. Yes, toda. Toda means to give thanks or to make a confession. And how do we express toda? Well, we raise our hands to thank him, or we can confess who God is, his character, his nature, the things of God. God, you are good, you are merciful, you are faithful. In Leviticus, it says they offer it as an expression of thankfulness, toda. The third word is Barak. Would you say Barak? Barak. Barak means to kneel down or to bless. And then how do we express Barak? Well, we can kneel down and express our adoration. We can kneel down to surrender. God, my life is yours. Or we can speak well of God and we can bless his name. In Psalm 63, it says, I will bless Barak you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. The fourth word, this is one of my favorites. Tehillah. Let's do this one together. Tehillah. Tehillah means unrehearsed or unlearned singing. And how do we express Tehillah? Well, we worship from our spirit. Or we give God 
an, an express, an, an authentic expression of love for him off script with our own words. I mean, why wait for everyone else or for words on the screen telling me what to say? You can give him your own words. Tell him how, what he means to you. In Psalm 40, it says, he has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise, Tehillah, to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. The fifth word is zamar, which means singing to music and instruments or to pluck a string with your hands, Hendrix style. And so how do we express zamar? Well, we praise God through playing an instrument. Or we praise God while listening to instrumental music like in our prayer and study time. Or we praise God with a rehearsed song like we all do here together every Sunday morning. In Psalm 71, it says, I will also praise Zamar you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. The sixth word is halal. Would you say halal? Halal. Oh, this one's good. Halal means to make a show or to be foolish. What? How do we express halal? Well, we give genuine praise without a care or worry of others around us. Or we make a joyful expression of praise that's from the heart. And remember that it's for God. It's not for us. It's not to impress others. In fact, one of the greatest models of a worshiper, King David, he wrote in 2 Samuel, I will celebrate halal before the Lord. In fact, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. I love that. I mean, to some, he may look foolish, but he is dancing and worshiping the Lord without a care or worry about what others think about him. And the last word we'll talk about today is Shabbat. Would you say Shabbat? Shabbat means to shout or to shout with a voice of triumph. I mean, how do we express Shabbat? Well, we give God a shout in victory. We give God a shout in freedom. We give God a shout of praise because their steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise Shabbat you. So how does God encourage us to worship him in spirit, in truth, and in using these seven words? We can sing. We can play an instrument. We can kneel down. We can offer up a praise unto the Lord from deep within our spirit. We can shout. We can clap. Hey, good clapping earlier, by the way, church. We can dance. We can lift up our hands to God, and we can give thanks. And we can do all these things for all these things are an acceptable way to worship him as described by these beautiful Hebrew words. Now, this is important. We don't need to manufacture a response that isn't authentic, that isn't natural because somebody else is doing it. But I pray that these words will encourage and inspire us to seek more freedom in his presence and in his spirit as we worship him. So, as we get ready to respond with the song of worship, let's have Robert Duvall's character, Sonny, from the film The Apostle, help prepare our mind, body, and spirit 
as we focus on praising the Lord. All right, well, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to open your Bible. You brought your Bible, didn't you? Amen. 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 Open your Bible to the 150th Psalm. That's the last Psalm there is. We're going to praise it. The 150th Psalm says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him. Yes. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him. Yes. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Yes. Praise him. Praise him. For the sound of a trumpet. We have trumpet here today? We got a trumpet? Psaltery and harp. I, I don't think we got a harp here, do we? <laughs> Praise him with the timbrel. Do we have a timbrel? I love it. I love it. Now, praise him with, it, with stringed instruments and organ. We don't have an organ. We got an organ, but no organ. Play, play, praise him with stringed instruments. We got stringed instruments? Come on, son. Yes. Praise him, brother. together and worship him in the freedom that can only come in our dependence on him and his grace. Can we do that together, church? Yes, God.
should never be the same. May our dependence on you grow ever the more greater. We can experience the freedom that's found in your spirit, in your presence, and in your word, God. Our hope is alive in you. Be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Hey, let freedom ring in spirit and truth as you pursue a life of worship unto God. Have a blessed Sunday and a blessed Independence Day. Enjoy some hamburgers and hot dogs, y'all. Hey.